awesome time of worship this morning, and uh, we just love the goodness of God, and uh, whether things are difficult in this moment or they're going great, uh, God is always good uh, in the midst of it. I love we can sing that together, and uh, it's just beautiful in the way we were led uh, this morning. Uh, we were gone the last couple of weeks, 49 of us, uh, to Israel, and um, had a phenomenal time, uh, just encounters uh, with God at place after place, and uh, David uh, was with us and led uh, worship at multiple sites and just added a richness to our time uh, and would love to invite you. We're go- trying to go every two years and uh, I'd love it if you put it on your list. Go. It's a game changer. Uh, and then uh, today you've seen several people wearing, uh, depending if you're on our social media or you get our, our emails, our up- updates each week of what's going on. Uh, we were just kind of encouraging everybody to wear their college shirts today, or uh, if you were in the military, to wear a military shirt, or uh, if you're out in the world working, wear what that is that you're where you're working, uh, is a way to encourage our high school seniors. Today's our senior day to uh, just cheer them on, and uh, and we're so grateful for what God's done in the midst of our our, our church with our graduating seniors, and and that's our focal point. Uh, this morning, as you heard Jermaine uh, talk about. Uh, and we just appreciate your support. We want our kids to see how much uh, we're for them uh, and what they're doing. Uh, I went to Washita Baptist University, and I got this shirt from a student that went out of our youth ministry in the mid-90s. This shirt is 28 years old. Uh, it's an Oakley knockoff. I'm not promoting Oakley today. That's just how creative we were back in the 90s. Uh, but you have kind of a washed-out Washita on the back, and uh, I tried to order a shirt, but it was illegal licensing or something I found out. So I, I'm working on it. I, I'll end up in purple one day. Uh, but we're excited about our high school seniors and what they're moving into because we live in a world where we're mostly here bad news. Uh, and there are so many amazing things happening between in our 18 to 25-year-olds across the country and what God is doing. Uh, and we're excited that uh, among those 18 to 25-years-olds, uh, are so many students at 121 uh, that God has equipped and prepared uh, to live for Christ uh, in the midst of the crazy. Uh, and so we're excited today that we'll be launching more uh, out there. In the 11 o'clock, they'll be live uh, in here, uh, and we're looking forward to that. We didn't think it was fair to ask them to come to three services live. That might diminish the, uh, the exciting part for them uh, a little bit. And so you got a vibe for who they are. Uh, and I hope you'll pray faithfully uh, for them. Uh, as we teach today, uh, Courtney Chandler leads our girls. We made a strategic decision a few years ago uh, to have uh, a full-time person directly for our guys, full-time person directly for our girls. Uh, and Courtney's done a phenomenal job uh, leading them. And so we're just going to share the teaching today uh, with, our, with our high school seniors. But most of you are familiar by now of the Asbury uh, Revival, they called it. Whether it's revival or not, I don't know what the right word is. Clearly uh, a movement of God on that high, uh, college campus in, uh, in Kentucky. Uh, and we've also seen uh, pockets of that same thing emerge all over the country. Uh, on college campuses, but it hasn't just been limited to college campuses. It's also been happening uh, in the area around here. Uh, Courtney, what what are some of those things that are happening in this area that would be similar uh, to what we see there? Well, just recently, um, there have been a bunch of students gathering up from multiple schools in the area, and they have been doing something called Sunset Encounter, and they have just gone to meet on fields, um, hear the word of God, to worship, and this is just students, again, from not just a couple schools, but across the city, uh, multiple cities coming together. And with that going on already, uh, that even gives us more excitement when we see our kids start to head out uh, and launch out from here because God is working and moving in them uh, already. Well, it's a significant, a significant accomplishment when, uh, when our kids graduate from high school. That, that's a big, it's a big moment. Uh, and there have been a lot of people that have poured into them. And sometimes when we do days like this, it looks like the student ministry is the one that kind of did everything. And, and I just want to make sure Jermaine said it earlier. I want to reiterate that. Uh, what a cool collective effort. Uh, many of these kids uh, have been here since creation land. Uh, and some of you worked in preschool with them and you see a name and you think, oh my, I had them when they were three. Uh, and you helped put a foundation in them. 
of Christ. Uh, and the same with Diana and with our kids and uh, in the elementary ages and then middle school and high school. And then uh, several have been in private Christian schools and have had the, uh, the increased uh, kind of benefit of that. Others have been in public schools and have had teachers and principals and others that are in this room uh, that have lived out their faith before them uh, in that public setting and helped uh, orchestrate ways that on their campuses they can grow uh, in their faith. And then uh, for those that have families where the mom or the dad or mom and dad are following Jesus, that's certainly the very best spot uh, where they're shaped and molded uh, around Christ. And so what a cool collective effort uh, that God uh, uses uh, to get uh, our students to where they are on this day. Now, you may wonder, okay, I'm not a high school senior. I don't know that I'm going to love this message so much because it's not for me. Uh, and I would simply say today that whatever message is for our high school seniors, God has something for you as well. Uh, and so I, I hope our hearts will be wide open to what he's speaking to us uh, as we think about them uh, and what God has in store uh, for them. Uh, we've been talking about worldview. We're not exiting uh, those lenses yet. Uh, next week will be our last uh, message on it, uh, but that also doesn't mean we're leaving it. We see this as an anchor uh, for our church body. Uh, but with this graphic, uh, just quick overview of it, uh, here's God's story. So we're talking about having a, uh, how do we have a biblical overview of God's story? God's at the center takes us up to creation, where he created everything perfectly. The fall, everything uh, falls apart because of sin entering into the world. And then when we talk about purpose, and that's what I want to talk about today, is our purpose in life. Uh, there's a purpose that people are living out between the fall and redemption. And it's, it's being driven by a different motivation than Christ, uh, but there is uh, purpose happening. And then when we recognize that we actually need deliverance from the fall, where comes redemption through the cross, through what Jesus did. And once we receive Jesus, then in between redemption and the new heavens and the new earth, then we have purpose there. And the question is, what is that purpose? That we're always asking, what's my purpose in life? Uh, and typically, I think we think that around uh, vocation. Uh, but I just want to, today with Courtney and I in the scripture, just want to show uh, that's not the primary thing we think about with purpose in life. There's something that underlies all the sub-purposes in life. There's one purpose that no matter what season of life we're in, we can live for this purpose. Uh, and that's what we want to think about uh, in this moment. Now, I read a stat the other day. We've talked about in biblical worldview and with that lens uh, that, that one out of ten People who are in the church or say they're followers of Jesus that actually one out of 10 have a biblical worldview, meaning they live life uh, believing that God's word is actually true and errant and trustworthy. They live life believing that God is worth it in every ethical and moral decision that it's Christ that's fueling the way we view those things. And we really don't know how someone thinks until we have dialogue with them. Like, I really don't know what you think about a hard topic unless I ask you. And then I'll start to understand, do you have a biblical worldview? Are you looking through that lens or are you looking through some other lens? And I think we've had some really lively dialogues in our, in our life groups and in one-on-one -on -one kinds of conversations. Last week, uh, two weeks ago, I thought Brandon Smeltzer did a fantastic job uh, in looking at a biblical worldview of politics and government. And then last week, you had Pablo from IJM uh, talk about the problem of evil, specifically regarding domestic violence and women uh, across the globe. Uh, and so we've tried to tackle some of the difficult things going on uh, in our world. But if it's one out of 10, the stat I read the other day said that millennials, that 2% of millennials have a biblical worldview. Now, millennials are mostly well into adulthood by now. That's going to be mid-20s, 30s. They're the ones having kids now, and 2% of millennials have a biblical worldview, which raises a good question, right? How are the kids going to be raised if only 2% of this generation of parents, young parents, uh, follows Jesus? Well, if that's the case for millennials, I wonder what it is for Gen Z, which is who we're talking about right now coming through. And so what a powerful picture when we have so many that are following Jesus 
uh, in the midst of a generation that basically has abandoned him and rejected him. Uh, and so we want to talk about seven words uh, that will anchor us to the scripture to guide us in our life purpose. I love that we're getting, I, I think we're probably getting our first shot at seniors in, in May. They'll have all kinds of things that will honor them and, and people will say things to them to cheer them on. Uh, and I love that we're getting to, from a biblical perspective and a biblical worldview, get the first word in uh, of what we believe uh, will enable them to be the most successful uh, when they leave. So we want to use seven words. Uh, I think we'll hang out uh, closely to four or five of them, and then we have way too much information. So the last one or two will be really quick. We, we've already learned that today. So we're just going to own it up front. Uh, we'll primarily be in verses 6 through 8. Uh, and then we'll hit some of the others in Colossians chapter 2 uh, as well. So Colossians 2, uh, verses 5 through 15 from a big picture, uh, 6 through 8, more focal point. And we just want to anchor into these words and thinking about our life purpose and a biblical worldview of that. Verse 6 says, Therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And the first word that we would tie to that in verse 6 is the word Faithful. Uh, as you received Christ Jesus, how, how did you receive Jesus? Uh, all of us receive him the same. Uh, it's by faith that, that we are believing that what he did uh, for us in his perfect life, in his death on the cross, the resurrection, uh, that, that we're believing him in faith. So we receive him by faith uh, and then we follow him in faith. Now, one thing we always try to say is to read things in context, and Paul is writing to the Colossian church because there's false teachers that have gotten in. There's a false narrative that's running against the truth, and he's helping them to guard so that they can remain true uh, to Christ. In verse 3, I was reading the other day, and I got so fired up about this. At the end of verse 2, it says, Christ himself, and then verse 3, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Everything is in Christ. In him is the infinite amount of whatever wisdom there is in the universe. It's in Christ. Whatever knowledge there is, he has it. So we're walking in faith in the one who has all wisdom and all knowledge. How are we seeing that play out in some of our, our students, this, this faithful idea of walking in Christ? Yeah, that's been one of my favorite parts about being in ministry is just watching this become just real parts of their everyday life as they walk, um, especially during their senior year. I could go through and name off a bunch, but like, for example, we have like Allie, who leads out in worship and leads in small groups pouring into the younger generation. Uh, Kate, who is um, studying the word so consistently, she's sharing it on her stories um, and inviting others to join into those groups uh, just to talk about God's word. And these are people she doesn't even know. Um, we have Cody that got baptized this year and encouraging and being an example of obedience for other men that have looked up to him and also have um, followed Jesus the same. And then uh, Ella studying the word the way that she does and having her heart transformed. Ryan just um, stepping up boldly to get baptized and creating shirts to, to share the gospel with everybody. So watching these students has just been really incredible. So they're faithful, they, they've received Jesus by faith, and, and they're walking in faith. They're stepping into things, and, and the scripture says we walk by faith, not by sight. How many things are we doing where we're stepping out in faith, trusting, believing Jesus is going to come through? Well, what are those things that we step into that apart from him coming through, it's not going to happen? What are those things that God's inviting us into? Our students have already been stepping into them. The beauty of what we're talking about today to cheer them on into their purpose, which their purpose to be faithful to Christ. Everything is Jesus. They're already doing it. And we're just looking forward to how God's going to amp that up in them in the days ahead. We walk by faith, not by sight. Again, for us personally, what are ways God is prompting our own hearts to step into something. We're a little bit scared of it. We're not sure how we'll do it. We're not sure what he's really saying, but we're just going to take that next step. If we walk by faith, not by sight. 
The second word that we anchor to in our purpose in life is to be rooted. To be rooted in verse 7. Having been firmly rooted, he says. So you're walking in Christ Jesus, now you're being firmly rooted. The psalmist helps us on this one in Psalm 1, 2, and 3. It says, His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law He meditates day and night. And He'll be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit and its season. Its leaf does not wither, and whatever He does, He prospers. When you see trees planted by rivers, you see a strength. And there's a strength there because their roots are deep in. You can't see that part, but it's why they're flourishing, because of the water and the root system, everything that's working together. Jeremiah 17, 8, the prophet says the same thing. He says there's a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a tree. Elise and I and our family, we lived in Pensacola for a few years, and they had not experienced hurricanes for like, six decades or something. They kind of just always ignored the warnings because they never hit. And then all of a sudden, this flurry of hurricanes starts hitting uh, the coast uh, in Pensacola. And it was interesting after the first one because it was just a melee of trees that had been uprooted by this hurricane. But there were also a mass amount of trees that were not uprooted. See, there, there was a kinds of trees there that, that I was told they had a really shallow root system. And those are the ones that were uprooted. But there are others that had deep root systems. And, and they were good. Jesus talks about Mary and Martha in, in the Gospel of Luke. There's actually one necessary thing to do. There's one necessary thing. And that's to sit at the feet of Jesus. And the way we get rooted is to sit at the feet of Jesus. How are some of our kids doing that? I have this like sweet group of girls that texted me a few weeks ago, and they're like, hey, we just need you to find us a spot because we're going to get together and study God's word. And I was like, that's awesome. Do you um, like need a leader or an adult to help you with that? And they're like, no, we just want to get together and do our own Bible study. And I was like, yes. Um, so they, we did. We found them a space. They came up here. They watched Passion of the Christ, and they got into God's Word. And multiple ones were texting me afterwards, like how rich that was just to be with their peers and study God's Word together. It was, it was incredible. Faithful, rooted, built. Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in Him and established in your faith. So it's an ongoing process. Paul, Paul switches analogies here. He's gone from an agricultural analogy of being rooted to a, a building, kind of a construction analogy. And those are ways that God talks about us as the body of Christ, that we're like a building that's being built up. And every person that by faith receives Jesus becomes a stone as a part of that building. And Christ is the cornerstone. He's the anchor of that building. So we're in this process of growth and being built. It's a lifelong process. And Philippians 1.6 gives us confidence. For I'm confident in this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. So the work that God has begun in our high school seniors who are graduating, the work that he began in you and that he began in us is a work that he'll continue until the day we exit this planet to be with him in all eternity. But we're in a process of growing. And we all know in construction projects, they never go the way we have them planned. They never cost what we budgeted for them. And you just keep figuring it out. Something you didn't anticipate. There was something there. You didn't know it was going to be behind the wall. And you all of a sudden discover, uh-oh, why did somebody do that? No telling. But now we've got to deal with it. And so we run into things. Some of it can be hard when we're being built and being built up. And at other times, it's going really well. But it's a lifelong being built up. Well, what are ways that uh, we can encourage our students and even our church body to continue to be built up uh, and established in their faith? Yeah, so one of the main messages that we try to convey to our students and have been witnessing with them too is living their faith out loud which means going and doing and not letting it stay this silent little secret um, that you just study at home so uh, we want others to see Christ in you and our students are boldly doing that as well um, I also love to let them know that you you personally may be the only uh, representation of Jesus that this person may see 
today. So um, living faith out loud, finding a church, like go visit a couple churches. Don't go longer than two weeks. Find a place and plug in. Like make sure that you are going and worshiping with a local body wherever you're at. And then also like worshiping in small group and finding that small group community, that is so important. And I've gotten to watch so much growth in our students um, and even our adults too, me personally, uh, just in that context of small group Bible study. So I think that is so important for our students to do. Um, And then prayer, one of my favorite things to talk to our students about and how crucial that intimate relationship is with our Lord and letting that not be um, something that is just a couple experiences with him or even one throughout the day, but an ongoing conversation and sharing and opening it up all of your day and all of your details with him that he knows anyway. So um, spending that time in prayer with him, I think is important. So we're cheering them on, whether they're going to the military, whether they're going to college, whether they're going to a trade school, whether they're heading to the workforce. These things are the things that uh, enable us to continue to be built up. On our Israel trip, uh, we had uh, a wide range of ages go on the trip. And again, if I could just cheer you on and not wait till you're retired or empty nester or that that's like a thing out here you do. But uh, we had singles, married, uh, a 19 year old. Uh, 20-somethings, uh, we had old people, um, <laughs> we were razzing them about, is Dean in here? We need to, um, so anyway, the uh, wide range, but I would just cheer on our high school seniors to figure out in the next few years how you could do a trip like that. How, how could, could that be a family trip for people? Could it be a, a hiking thing? Uh, for our students. Go hike it and, uh, and spend some weeks there. Uh, all kinds of ways to do it. But I asked the 19-year-old on our trip. I just really, it was one of my favorite parts of the trip was getting to know him. Uh, and I asked him, I said, hey, uh, we're talking to high school seniors on Sunday. What would you say being a year out of high school? What, you know, just not, not what I come up with or what Courtney has to say, but what would, what, what would you say being fresh out? And, and I loved his insight because it's something he's been working through the last few months. He said, you know what? He said, once you get independent a little bit from your home, it's on you to figure out how to establish rhythms and habits that Courtney just described. And so start establishing those and really establish those quickly when you get away. Build, build good rhythms, good habits uh, that are built around, around Christ. And then he made this statement, uh, and I just... I put quotes around it. It's exactly this is how he said it. You become who you surround yourself with. If you want to be built up in Christ, surround yourself with people that are growing and following Christ. And you'll start to look like them. There's a proverb that in Proverbs 13, 20. It says, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. The fool is the one who says there is no God. Or acts as if there is no God. You become like those you surround yourself with. To really be built up. Get, get around the people. And what I love about our students. Years ago I, I said things in a way. I started listening to myself. I thought I don't like what I'm saying. Because I said things as if we all needed to go. And somebody needed to lead us. Well, we have a passel full of students. That are the leaders. And they'll just continue to lead when they hit those campuses or where they hit wherever they go next. There's others that aren't as well-founded in their faith yet. And it's good to just own that and say, you know what? I need to find somebody and a group of somebodies that can help me to do that. There's no shame in that. You just kind of realize where you are and build the habits and then get surrounded by the people that will help you to be able to grow uh, in it. What are other ways uh, to build up? This is how I'd cheer on our church to be a help. Uh, there's worldview camps that are available in the summertime. Uh, and so many, what they say today is, in general, is that we're basically paying for our kids to go off to college and have their faith totally deconstructed. You're paying a lot of money to go have them undone on everything you taught them growing up. Now, it doesn't have to be that way, and it is not always that way. That's a generic, kind of a general statement. I think it's fair, but that's not everybody. And I I think these kind of worldview camps are really helpful because it's some of the brightest minds teaching our students 
so that when they face some of the brightest professors and students, they can hold their own in the way they understand their faith. You don't have to do that. It's something that's out there that's extraordinarily helpful. I think gap years are a great idea. Uh, one of the students, I think you saw, if you saw it, it's taking a gap year. Somewhere along the way, even if it's after graduating, I think a gap year is a fantastic thing for students to do. Go give yourself away on mission somewhere across the world. Uh, just, just do something. There's these things called Forge and others where they do communities for nine months of just intense discipleship and, and so forth. So I think there's all kinds of ways to build up in these coming years that may not be as easy uh, later on. So we would just cheer everyone on to that direction. The fourth word we would anchor to in this scripture is the word grateful. The word grateful. So they're faithful, rooted, built, and grateful. Can I just say today that if we'll just express gratitude in the way we walk, and if we just smile and are halfway respectful, we stand out like really bright lights today. And Paul says here that we're to overflow with gratitude. Overflow with gratitude. As Christians, we ought to be the most grateful people of all. If we don't have anything else but Jesus, that's a day's worth of gratitude every day. Because in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's inexhaustible. Grateful. What are ways when we think about our students? What are things they can be thankful for that we can kind of just spur their hearts a little bit? Yeah, I love talking with our students about how important like it is to just start with... Um, even if you don't feel like it, just moving your um, heart and your mind into simple things that you can be thankful for. And you can start with things that are tangible and obvious, the breath in your lungs and waking up to a new day. Um, And then let it move you to um, thinking about, in retrospect, what God has done for you to bring you to where you're at at right now. Um, And then when you start with this, this mindset of thankfulness and gratitude that moves you into reverence and then your heart posture can also move into um, really worship of who God is through thinking of what you're thankful for and what he's done and then continue to thinking about like how his um, goodness and his steadfast love endures forever. Like those are two things I just think about um, all the time and start with that and then let it just drive me deeper into God's character and then letting that um, move me throughout the day and um, thinking about who God is and shaping up that, that feeling of gratitude, that experience of gratitude um, through worship. And then we can drill down from there. So we're grateful for who God is and be grateful for our parents. We can be grateful for the educational opportunities that we have. We can get grateful for the friendships that we have, grateful for uh, the resources to be able to go off to that, that next thing. The gratitude is unending. And then... I think one thing that's probably hardest for us to be grateful for uh, is hard things that happen. Can, can we be grateful for the difficult things that come into our life? It, it seems to me um, that it's in the, the hard uh, that the most growth comes. That I'm most shaped like Christ in those difficult Circumstance. They're, they're never any fun. And they can put us in our bed pretty quick. But God has purposes in a broken world, and he uses the broken things to shape us. He, he, he takes the ashes and makes them beautiful. Well, only God can do that. And so we want to be grateful. There, there's, there's a couple of things that happen to us, right, when, when bad things happen. Uh, for a number of people, they bail out on God. Say, so, you know what, if this is who God is, I'm out. Um, we, we talked to somebody in Israel. He said, you know what, if the Holocaust happened, most of our country, we're, we're done with God. But then there's other people that recognize, gosh, in that hard and difficult thing, um, God is still at work. 
that this is a broken world, and I want to lean into God, into the difficult, uh, and see what he's going to do in it. How is it that last week when you heard Pablo talk, I, I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but I would assume there's something in there for this, this end. But how does a little girl who's been trafficked grow up, get rescued out, redeemed by Christ, and some of the most beautiful young ladies across the globe are ones who have been in the most unfair and difficult of circumstances any of us could imagine. Some, of, some probably can imagine that. I, I recognize that. Um, but only God can do that. He, he's the only one that can do it. Uh, otherwise, we end up bitter and resentful. Um, and so we're, we're grateful to God. Uh, and we know even when we don't understand sin that's against us or why we keep doing the sin that we do uh, that, that somehow in there God's still present he's still with us he's still for us and he'll work it out for his good and his glory uh, and so we want to be grateful uh, when those hard spaces come in our next few years as well well the next uh, word I think it's fifth or sixth I, I don't know which one it is so alert the word alert for verse 8. Courtney, if you don't mind, if you'll read that, that scripture and start to describe it. Okay. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Yeah, this is such an important one and something that we try to train up and um, speaking to our students about um, what they're consuming and what they are entertaining in their minds. And, um, and this can no happen no matter what your environment is. It can happen at church. It can happen at school, um, in casual conversation, um, outside of here, and even and especially on social media. So um, try to encourage them that whatever you hear, even though it may sound like some like real truth or some higher form of knowledge, um, that technically all of it, what you consume, really needs to be able to be proven with God's word, um, yeah, or it's going to lead you astray. And if it's not pointing you to Christ, then it is stealing away from you spiritually. Um, so like Ross mentioned earlier from verses, we have infinite wisdom and knowledge in Christ that no man can add to. We are um, complete in him and have um, everything that we need to know about him, about how the mind and heart interacts with others through what we um, know about in Christ Jesus within us. So I think that is really important to continue to point them to uh, test everything. So what they, again, see on social media or hear from their friends or professors or um, even like small groups, studying, whatever that is, you will want to test everything. Um, everything that you hear may sound good, but it is not all um, true. It is not all uh, God's truth. And a lot of it is, again, like empty platitudes that you will hear, intellectual fodder, something that makes you feel like there is some sort of like hierarchy of knowledge that you will need to achieve. Um, and I will tell you, when man speaks, people love to sound confident even when it's in nothing. And I just want to empower these students that you don't have to buy into that. Um, and again, to just move them into that, that place in God's word where they are spending time with him and growing in their relationship and their understanding of him that he will reveal to them. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of what we talked about with that. Yeah. Tell me about the girl that uh, was in class. So one of the things in this verse, it says, see to it. See to it. And I don't want us to skip that. See to it. You're faithful, rooted, built, grateful. Now, see to it. Take responsibility. All of us have to take responsibility. So see to it. Now, it might be that you don't know that something's off or not off. You might sense a little bit that it's off. 
And it's, that's where having people you can lean into is really helpful. So you know what? I heard this prof say this, or I heard this student say that. I was in a Bible study, and they said this. I never heard one of my life group leaders or you or Jermaine ever say that. What, what, what is that? Uh, and so this, I thought this is a really cool story Courtney was telling of, of one of our, our girls that's in college already. Oh, yeah, I love, I love it. When she texts me, I get so excited because she loves to discuss, like, theology and human behavior. And she will just text me in the moment um, with whatever's going on and just, like, process with me. And so I get so excited when she texts. And she was in class the other day, and I think it was a Bible class, actually. And the, her peers in her class were talking about how sexist the Bible was and essentially taking this like casual conversation and cultural rhetoric and overlaying it on God's word, um, essentially taking away from the truth of what um, God had to reveal to them. So in that moment, she felt this, like, this tension in her um, and, in fact, a sadness and uh, reached out to me and was explaining what was going on. So the beauty of this is, even though I'm not with her right there, I get to pray for her in the moment um, and pray for her classmates, and what a gift that is, uh, someone that wants to support and encourage her. Um, and then texting her encouragement and other scripture, it, it's just so incredible and encouraging to be able to have somebody that reaches out about that. And it moved us into actually talking about how Jesus, Jesus revolutionized like the treatment of women and um, this beautiful place of like gratitude and gratefulness of God's truth versus getting lost in that um, commentary from her peers. So that was a really cool moment with her. So see to it. That's one way we can see to it. You know, that, that we're with a community of people that are following Jesus. We don't know or don't understand something being said. Then we have people we can lean into uh, as we go. Now, look back in verse 8. Look at it. it says, see to it that no one takes you captive. That word captive is the idea of kidnapping. Uh, and, he's, and what Paul's saying is make sure you've been walking in truth. Make, make sure that you don't get kidnapped into error. Make sure you don't get taken back into false teaching. And there's so many false narratives out there uh, from social media influencers and, uh, and, and so many different ways that that happens. I was listening to Andy Stanley, a pastor in Atlanta years ago, and he was talking about how, how do we end up in a place where we, for example, are deconstructing our faith, which so many are doing today. That, that means they're just kind of undoing the whole thing, throwing it all up for grabs. Um, and then uh, chasing after ways that, that I think are more the traditions of men and the elementary principles of the world. I don't think that actually, that, that is what's occurring. Deconstruction does not have to be a bad thing if we're looking at it and saying, gosh, I have questions about this. I'm not sure. I don't, I don't understand this part. But I want to reconstruct in the context of people that know God's word well so that I can build it back up in a really strong and healthy way. Uh, so there's nothing wrong with questions. Uh, however, uh, it's where the context, I think, that help, is helpful or not helpful of how we do that. But Andy Stanley said this. He said, how do we get to a place where we've totally kind of abandoned the faith? Or how do we get to a place where we're just chasing after all the partying? How do we kind of, how did all this go awry? One step at a time. It just took one step. And then a second step followed it, and a third step. And before you know it, you end up empty and exhausted by chasing after all the things that Satan and the world are offering. And it's just like going back when we talk about God's story in the fall. It was just putting one little doubt in her mind. All I have to do is give one little doubt about Oh, yeah, you can't really trust what the Bible says. It's misogynist. Just tuck that away. Just one little thing. One little doubt. See to it that you don't allow those doubts to settle. See to it. Make sure you don't get held hostage by empty philosophy. All philosophy is not bad. When Christ is eliminated from it, it's not good. That's what he's saying. So see to it. Make sure that you don't get taken captive uh, to these things. The sixth word that we would talk about is the word reminded. 
And uh, Courtney, if you'll talk about that for just a moment. Yeah, so I, I love how we are pointed to um, just being reminded that we are complete in Christ. And Christ himself is fully God um, and reconciles us to him. So, and this is due to his saving faith and work in us and not um, because of any actions or achievements that we can accomplish. Um, so he comes in and he cuts away our old sin nature. It makes us and presents us perfect and whole to him. I mean, this is really the gospel right here. And we lack nothing in our holy new creation um, because of Christ in us. And he is really all that we need for our whole life. And all we simply have to do is walk in faith um, in him and not be tempted again by all the things that we hear and see that are around us that seem so good. Um, and then just being confident in Christ as our new identity and not letting like our actions or things that we do or that we get involved with or even those one or two bad steps, let that define us from the outside when we already are built up and defined from the inside, um, which is Christ. So um, that's kind of, I think, what they're saying right there. So we'll remind ourselves in verses 9 through 12, uh, that's what Courtney just summarized. Verses 13 through 15, this is what he says to them by way of, uh, of reminder. Uh, when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision uh, of your flesh, he made you alive together with him. Uh, having forgiven us all our transgressions. Hey, one, one of the coolest things about our faith to remind ourselves of, well, Christianity is the only faith, it's the only world religion, it's the only thing out there that has forgiveness, grace, and resurrection. It's it. It, it is distinctly different. It's not even in the hunt of close to other world religions. We want to remind ourselves often of what Christ said. We were dead in our sin, and he's made us alive together with him. We're with him, and we're in him. Paul uses the language of being in Christ again and again and again. We're in him. Now think about that for a minute. If all the wisdom and knowledge is in Christ, and we're in Christ, then we're in the atmosphere of all the wisdom and knowledge that is infinitely available in Christ. So we've been forgiven. Verse 14, he's canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Have you ever wondered, what, what is the debt that we owe? What, what debt did he cancel? We owe God a perfect life. We owe him perfect obedience to the law. And it's hostile to us because there's not one of us that's been able to keep it. We violate all the Ten Commandments. Just start there. So it's the law and the commands, all these, they're hostile to us. but we can't pay it. We're unable. And Jesus did deliver on a perfect obedience to his father. And then he took the suffering and the crushing on the cross to cancel out that debt that we were unable to pay so that by grace we're freed up in him. And then there's victory. When our students go off, it, it's a scary world when you kind of leave. You, don't, you may not know that yet, but when you get outside the protection. Now, I know some homes are scary. No, that's not funny. There's some difficult home scenarios. But if you're in a safe home, It can be scary getting outside of that. But we have all the triumph we need in Christ and Christ alone. Verse 15, when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. See, when generals in that day would win a war, they would march through their city. They'd come back and there'd be like a parade and, and the general would be leading the charge and all the defeated captives would be coming in behind. Jesus is the triumphant one. 
We don't have to put our tail between our legs and act like we're whipped all the time. We have triumph and victory in Christ, Christ alone. And we need to be reminded of that day in and day out because the enemy is doing everything he can to take that thought away from us and to act like we're the defeated ones and we're the victorious ones. So we remind ourselves often of what is the gospel and what he did for us. And then the last word that we would say is the word excited. And when we read things in context, it's a lot of fun because I picked up on verse 5. That wasn't originally what we were going to talk about here, but I wanted to go back to verse 5 of chapter 2. And for all of us, I want us to be in the seventh word for sure. And that's excited about what God's going to do in our high school graduates. Verse 5 says, even though I'm absent in body, nevertheless, I'm with you in spirit. We're not going to be out there with them. They're going to all their different places. We'll be absent from them. But we can be with them in spirit. And we want them to know that our church is for them and that we see them and we're with them and we'll walk with them and we're going to love them whether they do well or don't do well, whether they continue to follow Christ or don't follow Christ. We're going to cheer them on to follow him and we're going to love them regardless. They can know they're loved when they leave this place and anytime they come back. Uh, But verse 5, I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. We're excited to see, as we've watched again and again our students go off, we're excited to see their good discipline in following the Lord and their stability of faith, their strength in faith as they continue in Him. And we're going to cheer that on. We've done that by trying to wear the T-shirts today or the the college shirts or the military shirts or whatever uh, that it might be. Uh, But we just anticipate uh, that God is going to continue to grow them in ways they never could imagine, that their love for Christ will be deeper than they ever could have thought, and, and that their desire to live His purpose, which is to live for His glory, and to be shaped and conformed to Jesus. The purpose is Jesus. That we're excited for them. Well, what's another way that we're practically kind of doing that? Oh, okay. So I'm so excited. We actually have a table like right outside here today. Uh, we didn't start our, like this whole message discussion with a plug, but it's happening. So we have a college ministry um, and opportunities happening throughout the summer that you can get involved in. So if God so leads you, would you pray about checking that out? And then one of the coolest parts is that we're sending our college treating our college-age students kind of like global workers, and you can be a part of encouraging and supporting them throughout the school year or throughout their first year in the workforce, wherever they're at. And there's a sign-up sheet right outside at that table that you can get involved in praying for them and supporting them in that way. So it's kind of cool. So ways we can be a part of that good discipline and the stability of their faith. It's good stuff. I want to wrap up with this. We received an email or text, I can't remember what, a few months ago from a young lady that I think she's probably 25, 26 now. And um, she just let me know that she's serving overseas as a global uh, worker. And I had no idea. I'd I'd not heard from her in years. And it was so cool because we actually had lunch with them uh, in one of the countries we visited post-Israel. Uh, just a few days ago, and uh, just kind of asking her, you know, fresh kind of what God had done in, in her and how they ended up where they were, she and her husband, and uh, they went on a Czech uh, mission trip in high school, she did, and it was there that God opened her eyes to the idea that God is, has a global heart, he has a heart for the nations, and it happened on that trip, just that exposure, and then she went off to a, a Christian college, not one in Texas. Um, and it's, it's one that in the past, in my mind, would have been a place of strength. I would have loved to have sent my sons to this school. Um, but she said, you know, it's interesting. I went there so that my faith would be strengthened, and I found it to be a battleground for my faith, which is happening on so many Christian campuses today. We, we can't just assume, uh, because it's a private Christian school, that that's actually what's happening But it's so cool because so many of our students have been facing those battles and they're coming out stronger because they're not succumbing to the falsehoods and the false narratives that they're getting from their profs. 
and she's one of those. And she continued to grow strong in that faith, and right out of school, she headed off uh, and to where she is now. It's a really cool work. Now, God's going to call different people to different things, uh, and I love that God has vocational purposes for all of our students. Uh, for some, it might be to make a whole lot of money so that it can be given away for God's global heart. Got to be careful on those motivations of, of what you're doing. But whatever those, motiv- whatever those purposes are, it doesn't matter what's happening in life. We can wake up every morning with the greatest purpose on the planet. And it's just Jesus. And it's being rooted in him, walking in him, built up in him, grateful to him. And he'll make it known what this day is to look like and what these weeks are to look like and what this career is to look like as we remain in him. That's our purpose. It's him. Father, thank you uh, for the space we've had this morning. And uh, we love, God, that you've opened opportunities for us to be able to worship you. Thank you, Father, for the different ones you allow us through lives to be a part of. Thank you for our our high school seniors, graduates, and uh, Lord, I pray they'll just excel still more and more in you. And then, Father, I pray for those that have gone on before them out of here and, and for so many in our lives that right now they're not stable in the faith, they're not exercising good discipline in the faith. I love, God, that you're in it for the long game. And I pray, Father, they'll know that they're loved and pursued by you while they're in a different season. But more and more, I pray you draw people back uh, into a deep love and intimacy with you. Help them work through their hurts and pains and struggles. And I pray, Father, they'll know that you're with them and that they'll know that we are as well. And we pray in Jesus' name. Let's be quiet before the Lord. And anything that God would prompt you to pray, please do. And, uh, and if you'll also just pray for the next service, that uh, when our kids are here live, uh, that their hearts will just be struck afresh and be encouraged.